And currently we have uh, in Lynchburg, 33 degrees. Bedford has 33. 34 in Roanoke and Salem. 32 in Danville. 30 in Appomattox. 34 in Amherst. And looks like clear skies everywhere. We're glad you're joining us this morning on the Morning Jam. I am uh, thrilled to have in studio author Dutch Henry, who I interviewed a few years ago uh, because I just loved the book that he had written about his dog, Saturday. I always encourage people to buy local gifts when possible. Um, This is a a perfect example of that. We're going to try to be highlighting some local artists throughout the December, as we get into the holiday season, Dutch, welcome this morning. Thank you. We're Thank glad you. you're. We're glad you're here. First of all, I want to talk about Saturday and yes. to tell folks a little bit about who Saturday was and why Saturday was such a special dog. Little old Saturday was a a stray. He wandered into our farm now about fifteen years ago. He was oh a couple years old. We guessed pretty rough shape and. We rehabbed him, brought him back to life, and he just uh, was the most adorable little beagle, red and white beagle, and he just, he lived to give love to people. And for about 10 years, he was really our best buddy, and he went along on trail rides with me. He was a good barn dog, house dog, loved everybody, and gave us so many adventures and stories. Well, um, Saturday... And and why is he? Why was he called Saturday? Did he show up on a Saturday? He showed up on a Saturday. Okay. Um, my 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 wife Robbie, she names all the all the animals that run around the farm, and you know, I guess it was a uh, hat tip to to Friday. Uh, you know, <laughs> um, and uh, she said so. He just from day one was Saturday. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. And uh, he learned his name like in twenty five minutes. <laughs> oh my goodness! Isn't that funny? So the first book that you wrote was called A Dog Named Saturday. Dog Named Saturday. And it just kind of told the story of of Saturday and how he came uh, to live on your farm in Appomattox and and. Uh, that was like the beginning, wasn't it? Yeah, and, and it's an interesting beginning. When Saturday, I have a pretty active Facebook page, um, and I put on that Saturday passed away, and people said, oh, you have to write a book about Saturday, because I have other I books. I remember that, yeah. And and uh, actually, uh, one Facebook friend said, it has to be a children's book, and you have to name it a dog named Saturday. So I didn't even, I didn't even get to come up with the title. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about your writing before, before the Saturday books. Um, you've been writing for a long time. I have. Um, for a number of years, uh, I had columns in equine magazines, several different equine magazines. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that was really the, the, the beginning of, of my writing career. And then I wrote, I wrote a novel and I wrote some historical fictions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wrote some nonfiction horse. Uh, I wrote a nonfiction horse book. It's for the horses. And... Uh, and then Saturday came along, and and, and, just, and that's been taking up most of your time because you've written several books since then. There are now five Saturday books. Yes. All right. So the first one was a dog named Saturday, and then Saturday, and and there's a coloring book too. There's a coloring book okay. that's based on the dog named Saturday. Okay. And that's a delightfully fun book. Children, that's close to our biggest seller. <laughs> oh, is the coloring book? Yeah. Okay. Well, you know everybody colors now. Yeah. Not just kids. Yep, that's true. Adults and, are coloring too. And Troy, our illustrator and layout professional, um, she purposely designed the coloring book so that it fits in. What is that? An eight by eleven frame, so children mm-hmm. and people have colored and then framed them and then sent us pictures. Oh, how fun! 
Yeah, and she does a remarkable job. Now, you met her through your equine riding, right? That's right. right. She's, she's an incredible artist, just incredible person all around. Now, you have um, Saturday going on several adventures. You've got him going to Chincoteague. He went to Chincoteague. Uh-huh. Um, that was another um, f- Facebook friend-inspired book. We, we, I really thought the first Saturday book was going to be the only Saturday book. And we went to Chincoteague, and we came back. I put on Facebook, he went to Chincoteague, put some pictures up, and right away, a few hundred friends said, you got to write a Saturday book about going to Chincoteague. So we did. And that... Um, it just kind of spawned a... A series. Yeah. Now, now, now there's there, there's a series, of, we call them Saturday's Travel Adventures. Uh-huh. And the next adventure, we went out to the uh, Ark Encounter in um, Kentucky. Right. And toured the Ark Encounter, and, and, and uh, so Saturday went there, and of course... Cassie the horse and the kitties and everybody went along and we had a tour and it's and it's, it's in the travel series books we have appendix in the back with helpful information how to get their websites and all sorts of things to so people can plan their adventures to go where Saturday went and in the ark well book, that's kind of a fun thing kind of encourage the kids to want to go and see yeah, some of these places yeah. and in in the ark book the the animatronics at the ark encounter are unbelievable um and so we actually had and noah comes to life and tells you some stories so so noah actually in the center of the book tells the story of the flood uh the biblical account gotcha well the one that i want to talk about today and and focus on is uh your christmas book is this the latest one that's not the latest one actually there's a funny story about that the christmas book was supposed to be in the in the first book but I didn't get it to Troy in time. Okay. And so okay. then, so then it ended up being a standalone book. <laughs> okay. Well, and certainly appropriate for this time of year. It does work better. It works better being a standalone book. Yes. So, um, so, and in, in this book, it's called Saturday Love Christmas. Saturday did love Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Oh, did she? You bet. Yeah. Um, and he told everyone he loved Christmas. <laughs> and. Uh, there was never a, a question about it, huh? No, no. And everybody knows the biblical account of the Christmas story actually happened in a, in a stable. And right. So uh, Saturday and all the characters enjoy Christmas and, and learning the Christmas story in the barn. Right. With the animals. Because they can relate to that. That's right. <laughs> so you've got some special things that you're doing uh, throughout Christmas. If, if people are interested in giving these as gifts... Uh, you've got some specials that we you're do. running. We're, we're offering all five Saturday books for, for a total price of $45. Wow. And no shipping. We, we're, we're paying the shipping. And up to that, that's going to go up until, you know, the, as late as it can so you can get them for Christmas. Right. We're not going to stop that or play games with it. And actually, if you go to DutchHenryAuthor.com and go to the book shop, You'll see all the all the other books are also on sale and all sort of things going on. Um, all right, we're going to put this up on our on our Facebook page, um, but I think that is a great deal and what a wonderful way to support local artists and to give your uh, kids, your grandkids, maybe a niece or nephew, uh, a book that they'll really love because who doesn't love you know books about a dog? That's right. Who, I mean, everybody loves Saturday, and Saturday's motto is Saturday says. Friends help you be who you are better. Oh, yes. That's a good way to put it. That is a good way to put it. So they get the five books and that um, 
and that's $45, no shipping. And we'll put the link up on there. And we just thank you so much. Thank for you coming for inviting me. Oh, thank you. Telling us about Saturday and uh, what a, a marvelous, everybody has that one, well, or maybe more than one, but that one pup that just, we just lost Dallas oh, last year. Sorry. And it's just, you know, you never, you never replace them, but they do live on through the stories, don't they? That's right. That's right. It's just a remarkable thing. So we thank you for coming in and thank you. and sharing that with us today. And I hope that you guys will go and support Dutch and let the, the story of Saturday uh, live on a bit that way. So very cool. Well, kids in Danville are going to be able to send uh, letters to Santa this year. And, uh, of course, there's a lot of folks that have a... a ways for you to do that but letters to santa it's a a a small special mailbox in danville for children to put in their christmas list the mailbox is located in front of moss mountain outfitters on main street and you can get your letters hand delivered to santa on saturday at the plaza Uh, and if you would uh, like to participate in that you can get if you can get them there by saturday uh, and you can get them in the mailbox by Christmas Eve. And so you need to get your kids to make their list out. It's really cute how they've done it. It almost looks like a, maybe it is an old fire hydrant. I don't know. It almost looks like fire hydrant uh, there. But uh, it's located in downtown Danville. And they'll deliver those letters to Santa Claus if you just go by Moss Mountain Outfitters on Main Street. And you can check it out that way we'll be back with more you're listening to the morning jam i'm janet rose thanks so much for joining us our number 866-916-3776 we would love to hear from you this morning We are the Morning Jam. Have a holly jolly Christmas. And when you walk down the street, say hello to friends you know. Calling it or labeling it like it's they did it to us. Mother well, Nature really did this to us. We all as a country got dealt a bad hand by China. Uh, Peter that is just a waste of time to say that. I'm going to leave it there, Peter Navarro. No, hang on. We're just what? trying to get our hands around the... Why, no, why, Peter Navarro, why is that's that a waste it. We're of time, time to say, say we're that. Out of, we're out of time. China has come out of this pandemic in many ways stronger. Yes, its reputation got battered a bit because of its early handling, but it has essentially vanquished the virus without a, a vaccine. It also has vaccines on board. Uh, it is moving forward with much greater confidence in the world. And China and South Korea and those Asian com- countries, Hoda, may have helped uh, Western Europe and America by delaying the arrival of the coronavirus here. But now uh, they are worrying that they may get reinfected by the coronavirus uh, from the rest of the world. China did respond effectively after botching a little bit at the beginning. That's right. But they did things that we cannot do in this country. That's I think right. they quarantined hundreds of millions of people. And that's something that we both don't have the tools to do, nor the political uh, will to do. I look on social media and I see folks in the States and in Europe, and it's kind of jarring for me, to be quite honest, to see people out in fitness centers, to see them still going out in social settings, because here it was just about overnight 
where churches were closed, fitness centers were closed, restaurants were closed. Everything came to a halt. And it has not been perfect, but the numbers are showing that it seems to have been at least effective for now. I, I got to say, it's just remarkable that China now donating some equipment yeah. to places like Italy. Unbelievable. I mean, really, since the very beginning, we have had mainstream media and media around the world defending China and the lockdowns and media shielding of what is really going on in China. These liberal journalists are praising China's zero COVID policies and are completely rejecting the lab leak theory, uh, even though, and they're saying it's completely debunked, which it's not. Even Fauci admitted that they don't know exactly he wouldn't even come out and say that that was completely ruled out. Now we've got Washington Post columnist Taylor Lorenz, who has who has done crap like this before with her own Washington Post. I don't know how she gets by with it. I don't know how she still has a job. But she's been defending the Chinese Communist Party's lockdown policy, adding herself to a rather lengthy list of left-leaning figures who are just completely downplaying China's human rights abuses, and they're calling what China is doing a success. This weekend, she responded to a Washington Post article slamming her own employer after it tweeted out an article critical of the zero COVID policies. A coronavirus outbreak on the verge of being China's biggest of all the pandemic has exposed a critical flaw in Beijing's zero-COVID strategy, a vast population without natural immunity, the tweet said. Lorenz's tweet rant praised China's authoritarian COVID lockdowns and accused the U.S. of killing millions of vulnerable people by reopening the country. She said there's no lasting natural immunity to covid you can get COVID over and over again because there's endlessly evolving strains and antibodies wane. Also choosing not to kill off millions of vulnerable people as the U.S. is doing isn't a critical flaw. So she, why don't you go live in China, Taylor? Why don't you go and see what that's about? She immediately started getting some backlash. She accused critics of putting words in her mouth. I read verbatim what she tweeted, folks, right there. What are your thoughts on it? 866-916-3776. She also asserted that her commentary included significantly more nuance than her detractors have portrayed. Now, again, this is the first time she's attacked her own her own employer. She's done this before. Um, and this seems to be a trend right now in Western journalism that is seeing media personalities point to the communist regime as the government at the forefront of COVID mitigation. Now, they don't really talk about the, the human cost of these measures. Uh, in January of 21, the New York Times was lambasted for publishing a story that praised China, calling it one of the safest places in the world for their handling of the COVID-19 pandemic. The pandemic has upended many perceptions, including ideas about freedom. Citizens of China don't have freedom of speech, freedom of worship, freedom from fear. Three of the four freedoms articulated by President Roosevelt, but they have the freedom to move around and lead a normal day-to-day -day life. No, they don't. 
They, I mean, we've seen the footage that's escaped. It's insane. I mean, we've got pictures of lockdown enforcers beating civilians. Actually beating them. They have welded people into their homes. We know this stuff has gone on. They've moved thousands and thousands of people to camps when they became positive with with COVID. They... it's unbelievable that they would defend this. They they did weld people's doors shut so that they couldn't get out. There was a fire, an apartment fire, that killed 10 people and injured several more. And reports say that the COVID lockdown measures prevented first responders from coming to the blaze. How is that not unacceptable? And how can people in this country sit by and say that they're doing the right thing? It's unbelievable. CNN, in particular, has had several moments where they've painted a glowing portrait of China's response to the pandemic. In one instance, he claimed that China had essentially vanquished the virus without a vaccine. That's a lie. During another segment, he said that Trump and other officials were pushing a conspiracy theory with lab leak discussions, comparing it to a theory that HIV was invented in CIA labs. I don't remember that. Maybe I was too young for that one. I don't ever remember that one happening. They, I, I think a lot of this happened because just because Trump called it the China virus, which it was. That's where it originated for Decades and decades, when we're talking about where things originated, many times, Spanish flu, that's what it was called. It was called the Spanish flu. I mean, we saw, we've seen this throughout history. I just can't believe they're defending the actions of China when these people are literally welded in their homes. And that's, that's just what we know about. I can't even imagine what's really going on there. Speaking of not knowing what's going on, We've been trying to follow this uh, story out of Idaho. Idaho police came out and said that they had decided that perhaps one of the people, one of the university students, was actually uh, targeted. Not perhaps all four of them, but one of them. Now they're reversing course. They're saying they don't know if residents or any occupants were specifically targeted. This doesn't speak well to this investigation. They're, uh, of course, investigating the murders of four University of Idaho students. And they're saying, they said late yesterday evening, that now they don't know if that's the case. Detectives do not currently know if the residents or any occupants were specifically targeted, but they're continuing to investigate. The uh, prosecutor, Bill Thompson, said that investigators believe, this is what they said yesterday morning, Investigators believe this attack was intended for a specific person. Now, they have since clarified the evidence with Thompson, and his statement was the result, they're saying, of miscommunication. Multiple other law enforcement officials have said for the past two weeks that either the residents or specific victim or all the victims were targeted, but never revealed why they believe that to be true. 
The Moscow Police Department said in a news release in the early days that the investigators believed it was an isolated, targeted attack, and there was no imminent threat to the community at large. This community is getting mixed signals all the way around. The police captain said that um, he believed the attack was targeted but couldn't say why to preserve the integrity of the investigation. He said, we've told the public very clearly from the beginning that we believe it was a targeted attack. To be honest, you're going to have to trust us on this because we're not going to release why we think that. I don't know that there's a whole lot of trust going on uh, right now because they don't seem to have anything in regard to this investigation. Um, There were survivors and based on the evidence internally at the scene that led detectives to believe and continue to believe it was a, a targeted event, that's what uh, the communications director said. It's been 17 days since the murder of these four young people. No suspect, no person of interest. Um, they did think the, the attack, they think they know what the attack was committed with but they don't even have a murder weapon at this point. So more than 100 law enforcement officers from the Moscow Police Department, Idaho State Police, and FBI are investigating. I hope we can get some answers for this community and these families soon. WDBJ 7's on the way. We'll have your forecast as well. Stay warm. It is chilly out there. We'll be back with more at the Morning Jam. I'm Janet Rose. And currently, we have 34 degrees in the Lynchburg area, 34 in Bedford, 36 in Roanoke and Salem, 33 in Danville, 36 in Amherst, and 33 in Appomattox. Well, one of the things that I talk about quite a bit on the show is um, social media and the dangers of social media in a number of ways. Uh, and of course, my the one that I'm most concerned about is, of course, TikTok. I think TikTok is um, not good. I don't think we should be uh, we we should be using it. If you read the specifics on it, it's 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 just not good. Uh, now you love TikTok. You're not concerned about the the no following and all that. Okay, all right. Well, everything has my data at this point. I'm just okay. All right. Uh, well, apparently now there are some folks lobbying. Uh, for TikTok, which I think is interesting. What? We got people the, lobbying? We've got. Sorry, I don't for know TikTok? why I said it like that. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not shocked anyone's lobbying for anything at this well, point. Well, I'm a little surprised. I mean, you got the FBI coming out saying it's it's not a good thing. Janet, don't participate in it. A lot of people will do anything for money. Well, I guess so. Uh, but we need to know who's doing what. Here is a little bit off the Ingram angle. Um, I, I'm I'm very surprised that there are people actually lobbying for this. Take a listen. Thanks to the Washington Examiner, we know who some of these folks are. Congressman Gallagher was just so great on the show last night. We got huge reaction. And among the names lobbying on behalf of TikTok, which is owned by the CCP-controlled ByteDance, are the following. 
former Republican Senate Majority Leader Trent Lott, powerful former Democratic Senator John Bro of Louisiana, former Republican Congressman Jeffrey Dunham, and former Democratic Congressman Barton Gordon. Also, former high-profile staffers are getting into the game, including former Pelosi senior advisor Michael Bloom and former Kevin McCarthy political advisor Freddie Barnes. All were asked to appear with us tonight, with the exception of Bloom, who couldn't make the timing work. They refused. Joining us now is Senator Tom Cotton, who has long warned about TikTok. Senator, that's quite a list, and that's just scratching the surface. What does that tell you about the revolving door of power to influence peddling in Washington, especially on behalf, essentially, of the CCP? Well, Laura, it was a great interview you had with my friend Mike Gallagher last night. He's right. TikTok is like a kind of digital fentanyl or Trojan horse on the phones of America's youth. If you have it on your phone, you should delete it and then probably get a new phone as well. And these former members of Congress and congressional aides should know better than lobbying for a company that is directed by, at the behest of, the Chinese Communist Party that is part of its massive surveillance network that is going to give access to hundreds of millions of Americans' phones going for today and going forward if it's not removed from those phones, if it's not banned nationally in this country. Mike Gallagher and I also have legislation that would close this loophole he spoke about that would require any person who's lobbying for one of these Chinese companies to register not just as a lobbyist and require diligent journalists at places like Washington Examiner to go ferret them out, but rather register as a foreign agent. Because in China, there simply is no line between the Communist Party and Chinese companies. Yeah, I mean, that seems like such a no-brainer at this point, Senator, so I'm so glad you're pursuing this. But today at the New York Times Deal Book Summit, the CEO of TikTok addressed criticism that they are just controlled by the Chinese government. Watch this. We take all these concerns very seriously. For us, you know, no, US no foreign government has asked us for U.S. user data before. Really, they haven't. And if they did, we would say no. Senator, I'm sorry, does that even pass the straight face test? <laughs> no, and if he said no, he might go the way of Jack Ma and be disappeared and never heard from again either. Look, TikTok is under the thumb of Chinese communists. It has to answer to the Chinese Communist Party and has to do what the government says. It can access all the data on your phone to include all the other apps and your content and your text messages, your emails, your browser history. It can even remotely control your camera and your microphone. You should delete TikTok from your phone and probably get a new phone if you have it on there now. I, I'm telling you, you guys can ignore it if you want to. You can keep it if you want to, but it's not a good idea at all. And these guys who are lobbying for TikTok need to be held accountable for it. And they need to step up and tell us what the heck they're thinking with it. I, between this and people taking up for China and their their zero tolerance policy of COVID and welding people into their homes and keeping them on lockdown. I, I don't know what's happening to this country. I mean, they're used to communism was not a good word. That used to be a bad word. When did that change? Could someone tell me when that changed? Because I, I'm I'm pretty sure none of us want to be under a communist regime, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we do. That seems to be where we are right now. So, 
I, I just don't, I don't get it. I don't understand why there is zero uh, alarm on, on this. And I know what you're saying. You're saying there are other things that, that can, can track us as well. You know, the cookies and the all that stuff. Apple. Like, Apple can do it. How many times have we heard Apple, like, the debate if Apple should share phone data with, with the government? Like, so. and, and they won't. The difference is, in China, they don't have an option. That's fair. I mean, you know, here, they, they have to, they've taken Apple to court before to try to get information from them because they refuse to give it up. I just think there's a lot more important people in the United States that probably have a TikTok that China wants their information from than me. So. Yeah, but if they're doing a massive attack on this country and they, they want to shut down all communications, that's going to make it a whole lot easier to do. And they're trying to get it. I'm just saying there's there's a lot more to it. Teresa says follow the money. Well, then the money's going right into China and to these pockets of this lobbyist. I don't even know how the guy could stand there with a straight face. And oh, if, and if they did ask, we would say no. No, you wouldn't. You don't have an option to say no. It's crazy. Looks like the um, uh, Democratic lawmakers pushing back on President Biden's White House celebration. Apparently, 200 live lobsters are going to be served for guests Thursday during a state dinner. Can I come? With uh, President Macron. The night before the dinner, the guests are expected to enjoy lobster and caviar. Wee wee. (laughs) I guess. Representative Jared Golden took to Twitter to urge Biden to meet with the lobstermen his administration is currently regulating out of business. You got to think that that's an interesting dynamic there. If the White House is uh, prioritizing purchasing 200 Maine lobsters for a fancy dinner... Biden could at least take the time to meet with a Maine lobsterman his administration is currently regulating out of business. The red, white, and blue themed dinner with Macron, France's first lady, Bridget, and others will be the first state visit Biden has allowed as other events were canceled due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Golden's tweet is his latest call on Biden to uphold his promise to protect Maine's lobster industry, especially amid a new dispute with whale conservatives, uh, conservationists. See, what they should have done is what Trump did when the, he hosted Clemson and just bring a bunch of fast food. That's a really a red, white, and blue Christmas or yeah. whatever dinner. That, yeah, this is uh, this is a little higher end than that than this, feeding this, a bunch of ball players. That is honestly that photo of of Trump with him and like that spread is one of the like it's so funny. And it, I laughed at it. I get why he did it and I understand because the government was shut down and it was it was like kind of like, you know, you kind of had to. It still was hilarious that like this White House, which is like, you know, supposed to be like the place. And like it's it you think of it like you think of that. And it's just McDonald's everywhere. Hey, I, I and think... he's sitting there with two thumbs up smiling ear to ear. And it's I you can't help but kind of laugh. Well, I didn't say were they what... expecting a nicer dinner. I don't know. I mean, but the but the hypocrisy with this is pretty yes incredible. I agree. The Maine lawmaker released a statement in October saying that Biden broke his promise to the Maine lobstermen in 2020 while running for president. Biden pledged, "I'll work to protect the livelihood and safety of the fishing community." In reference to lobstermen, he has yet to take a single action to make good on that pledge. It says you can't espouse being a president for working people 
while overseeing the destruction of an entire blue-collar fishery and its community's heritage way of life. So you're saying he's being shellfish? Oh, my God. It was right there. Turn your microphone off. <sighs> anyway, he's getting pushed back because of that. No lobster on the menu today for Five and Dine, though. It's time for Janet's Five and Dine on the Morning Jam. Give her five minutes, and she'll give you some great inspiration for a delicious meal tonight. That literally was the worst joke ever. <clears throat> five and Dine is brought to you by our friends at FNL Market. They're located on Memorial Avenue in Lynchburg, cutting and grinding fresh meats every single day and working hard to keep their prices low so you can keep your food bill firmly in check. Check out their latest uh, deals that they have going on. Become a VIP customer. We're going to tell you how to do that very shortly. And if you have some special orders that you need for Christmas, they can absolutely take care of you for uh, for that. No problem at all. So today's recipe is dressing up some hamburger for a meal that it can be as casual or as fancy as you like. It is uh, a bite-sized meatball wellington. You're going to start with a pound of ground beef. You're going to add in a half a cup of breadcrumbs, one egg, a little bit of salt, black pepper, some onion and garlic, a little fresh parsley. Mix that all up together and make it into meatballs. And then you're going to go ahead and broil those in the oven. Then you're going to take a square of thawed puff pastry and you're going to add some shredded mozzarella on top of that. Then you're going to tuck that, te- that uh, meatball on top and close it up around and make it a little packet. Then you're gonna brush it with an egg wash and you're gonna bake it in the oven until the cheese is all melted and everything is all brown and beautiful on the outside. And then once you get those baked for about 25 minutes at 400 degrees, you're going to put some tomato sauce down that you've seasoned with some basil and some other herbs, dust it with some Parmesan and then put a little bit of uh, basil or parsley on top of it. Now you can eat that fancy by serving it up with some, maybe a side of asparagus, something like that. Or you can eat it with your fingers, like a like your own homemade hot pocket. It just depends on what kind of mood you're in. I like you hot can, pockets. You can make it fancy like the Macron dinner, or you can make it casual like the Trump dinner. It's up to you. It's the perfect meal. By the really. way, someone did just call and said my joke was great. So how about that? Oh, Lord. Please don't encourage him. Keep it on. Keep it coming. Don't. Keep it coming. Love. You want to see the uh, you want to see the recipe? Just go to Facebook. Type in Janet's 5 and 9. You'll find this recipe and all the recipes that we share. Brought to you by FNL Market, where their meats are a cut above. Before you fire up the coffee maker, turn on the morning jam. So you had one person call in and tell you they liked your shellfish joke? Yes. Well, I mean, I, I suppose as presidents go, that would be applicable to I'm him. Just, it was right there. You just got to be, it was just waiting for you. I know. It was like I set you up. Got it. All right. Uh, North Carolina man really likes the hot stuff, apparently. He uh, has uh, accumulated what he believes to be the world's largest collection of hot sauce. Ooh. 11,000 bottles. He started collecting hot sauce 26 years ago. Uh, He thinks it's the largest in the whole world. It's kind of turned into an obsession. What started as a small collection has grown into me being at the center of a culture that surrounds hot sauces. He documents his collecting on social media, 
says he's been in contact with the Guinness World Records about making his collection official as the largest in the world, and he hopes to organize tasting events in the future. He said, I want to share with anyone that has the love of heat like I do. My end goal is to have so many bottles, there's not a wall left in sight. And he said, what makes a hot sauce great? In my opinion, you should be able to read and understand what the ingredients are. Garlic, onion, chili pepper, vinegar, salt, that kind of thing. When you get into ingredients you can't pronounce, I'm pretty much out. I will try everything, but I may not come back and try it again. So... I, I don't all I know is hot sauce has become very expensive. I would like to know how much his uh his collection is worth because if you do that math, I mean even a cheap bottle of hot sauce is still you know all right, so like red hot Frank's red hot I put that on everything exactly is three bucks, so just three times eleven thousand. But most of them are more than that. I mean, my my uh, Cholula, but this was over time. My Cholula hot sauce that I love mm-hmm. is out of control now. It used to be like three bucks or something. Now it's seven. The only time I'll buy hot sauce is if I'm making like buffalo chicken dip or something like that. And usually you can get those a little bit cheaper. But like the the Cholula green sauce mm-hmm. is yeah. the one that I absolutely love. It's like $7 now. Just steal it from a Mexican restaurant. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. They don't have, they don't usually have the Cholula. They Uh-oh. usually have like the cheapy little. Green sauce. The green jalapeno sauce, which is not the same thing. But I mean, some of those can go on up to like $12 for a little bottle. And one time when I was. Uh, $12? $12 for a bottle of hot sauce. That's it's a stupid. real thing. So I bet his collection is worth a lot of money. That's all I'm saying. It is. It might be worth more than than he even thinks. Maybe you need to sell that or something. When I uh when I worked at the when I was doing downtown revitalization, mm-hmm. I was with the farmers market for a long time. There was a maker down there who made the hottest. He used California reapers on uh, in it, and I mean it was great hot sauce. But oh my word, you could only have like you just put a couple of drops and you were good to go. And then there were there's a group of kids that came came down during Get Downtown, and they decided that they were going to all put money in, and the first person who could drink an entire bottle... Oh, my... Yeah. The first person who could drink an entire bottle... Hey, man! Got, got all the money. Got all the money. And That, I, that I, seems I, like something you would do after a few beverages. I still have... No, they were stone sober, but poor, probably, so they he wanted the money. Uh, I'll never forget, a beautiful young man had on a white shirt, and um, they were trying to buy the hot sauce. I said, I tell you what, if you're going to do this, I'll buy the hot sauce. So I bought the hot sauce, put it down, got my camera out. That young man drank an entire bottle. And I mean, this stuff was hot. And he drank the whole thing and gathered his money. And we had a, a, a guy who worked at the market. We called him Mountain Man. Did he not go to the hospital? And he walked up to him, and he goes... And, of course, they were cheering him on. And, oh, you're the man, da-da-da. And he goes, you might feel like a big man right now, but you're going to be hurting in the morning. And that's all he said when he walked off. It was very so true. great. That sounds like that's very that, true. Well, I'm sure. I, did, I didn't I did hear anything else about it. But, um, yeah. 
Dale said, glad I don't put that on anything. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, I hear you, Dale. Uh, Popular chicken chain Chick-fil-A has launched its first ever online store. If you have a a Chick-fil-A lover in your life, you might want to check it out. The store's quirky merchandise pays homage to one of the favorite items, including the I Heart Waffle Fries hoodie, chicken for breakfast hat, and a clutch in the shape of a Chick-fil-A sandwich packaging. The products range in price from $15 to $75. The chain says they expect to sell out quickly, and it's just one way fast food chains are expanding beyond food. Uh, They've got, like, the shirt that says original, and then pickle pickle, and things like that. But, I mean, other ones have been doing that. We have, um, what was it, Uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken. They had the fire log Denny's that would smell like did the shirt the eleven you, herbs or, and spices yeah the um or no was it Bob Evans did the shirt where you could get uh, breakfast for or was it no it was Denny's it was Denny's yeah it was you Denny's. buy the shirt and then it's like I forgot breakfast. to do that I didn't buy the shirt huh well oh, granted there's it. no Denny's close here so McDonald's recently started selling its cactus plant flea market toys Chipotle's been having an online store for clothing and souvenirs. Uh, Duncan collaborated with beauty brand Elf Cosmetics to launch a limited makeup collection inspired by Duncan's coffees and donuts. Nice. I, I do think that uh, KFC has the most interesting products, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that I want my house to smell like 11 herbs and spices, but you never know. I don't have a fireplace, so I can't I can't do that. I, I, I think I'd get an, um, I wouldn't have an apartment if I tried to like that. Yeah, you can get, and you can still, <laughs> 11 Herbs and Spices Fire Log, Enviro Log, fourteen ninety nine. it can be yours. It's not bad. <laughs> I guess not. Hmm. I, I got it. You know what? There. What you could do? Go camping. Ready? Yeah. You fire the log, you put that in there. Right. Fire it up, and then you get a pot, and you could fry chicken. Yeah, well, you could. It and then might they... be a little dangerous, but you could technically fry chicken with Kentucky Fried Chicken. With a Kentucky Fried Chicken log. How about that? I like it. I think that could work. Hey, tomorrow is Friday. That means Friday Funnies are on the way. And not a moment too soon. Looking forward to spending Friday with you. Hope you're going to plan on joining us then. Uh, We'll be with you now. We're going on the air at 7 now. So we'll be with you from 7 until 9. Keep our numbers handy and be a part of the show. We'd love to hear from you uh, tomorrow. Got some great guests coming in and uh, more ideas for your holiday gift giving this year. Our numbers are 866-916-3776. Keep them in your phone. Keep them handy. And our text number is 434-248-0704. Lots of ways for you to stay in contact with us. We would love to hear from you here on the Morning Jam. Thanks so much for joining us on the Virginia Talk Radio Network. Hope you have a great day.